Welcome to the Purpose City Church Podcast, where we're dedicated to guiding you on a journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're thrilled to have you here, and regardless of where you're tuning in from, we have faith that this message will be a direct source of inspiration in your life. Praise His holy name. All month, we've been walking through a series of conversations that we have called Down with the King. And the point of this conversation is for us to get to the place in our lives where we make Jesus a part of everything that we do. Some of us have our our church compartment of our lives, and then there's the rest of our lives. And so we have the Sunday morning version of ourselves, and then there's Monday through Saturday. When you become down with the king, he is an intricate part, say intricate, part of every. Thing that you do. And so God has been speaking to us through these conversations to help us become down with the King. And so that's been our focus as we close out 2023 here at Purpose City. Um, Purpose City has a very intentional reason why God established it. And he has charged us with taking people on a very important discipleship journey to know him even more. And so the first thing on that journey that we encourage is for you to know God. It makes sense when you hear it. It's a church, of course, I should know God. Um, some of us, we know God, but we don't know God. Some of us are, are living off routine. Some of us go to church because that's just what we do. That doesn't mean that you have an intimate knowledge of who he is. And he wants you to have that. He wants you to really, really know him. And then after we, 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 we open that up for you, the, the next thing that we try to encourage is for you to find freedom. Because if we want to admit or just act like it doesn't pertain to us, We got baggage. Life adds weight to us through situations and circumstances. Sometimes we try to come into the kingdom of God, maintaining that baggage. And God says, lay aside every weight. He wants you to find freedom because he has a race that he wants you to run. And some of us are running our race with that baggage of bitterness. Some of us are running that race with that baggage of addiction. But we come to church and we pretty it up and we make it seem like everything's all right, but we know the truth is we all have baggage and we all need help with the alleviation of that weight off of our lives and off of our souls. So we encourage you and we try to help you to find the freedom that God desires for you. And after you know God and find freedom, More than anything, we want you to discover your purpose. Because here's the thing, you have one. I don't don't care what everybody else thinks of you, has spoken over you, has discouraged you about. It doesn't eradicate the fact that you were sent with a purpose. God wants you to fulfill it. You can't fulfill it if you don't know it. The only way to know it is to find, discover your purpose so that you can walk in the path 
that God has set before you. Once you discover your purpose, it's harder for the devil to lie to you about who you're not. It's imperative that you seek God about your purpose. Lord, why am I here? You created me, and there must be a reason. And after you go through the process of knowing God and finding freedom and discovering purpose, the last step that we want to get you to is make a difference. Because here's the thing, God didn't send you to this earth for your own self-gratification. Mm -mm. He sent you to this earth with a purpose because he knew that if you found it, if you discovered it, if you walked in it, you would impact the lives of people around you. And that's his ultimate goal. He didn't come to this earth, live that perfect life that he lived, surrender himself on that cross, get up out of that grave just for you. He did it for you, but he also has a desire for you to become an example for someone, someone else. That's why he was born. He came to pay that price that had to be paid so that we could be all that he sent us to this earth to be. And as we continue this conversation about becoming down with the king, I want to talk to you today from the topic of name it and claim it. Name it and claim it. Now, for some, that's a triggering phrase because there was this period of Christianity where a lot of people use that terminology erroneously out of context and sent some people astray. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the fact that Jesus wants you to know his name. And he wants you to not just know his name, but he wants you to apply it, claim it, use it on your journey. The most powerful name there is, is the name of Jesus. But he's so in love with you and I that he even reveals further aspects and other names that we can call upon, that we can name, and that we can claim for our lives and for our situations. If we know them, if we understand them, we can use them in the way that he desires for us to use it. And you heard some of those names during our worship set today. I will turn your attention to the book of Isaiah, the ninth chapter. Isaiah was an Old Testament prophet, and he was prophesying to the, the children of Israel, but they were not in a good place. They were in full-on crisis. They had no hope based on what life had dealt them currently. They were in a bit of despair, wondering if they were forsaken. I don't know if ever, anybody's ever been in that place where you were wondering, God, where are you? So this takes a lot of courage for what the prophet Isaiah was about to say because he wasn't talking to people that had everything figured out. He wasn't talking to people that were feeling good about their lot in life. He was talking to people that were they were in despair, and this is what he told them in verse 6 when he prophesied about what we're celebrating today, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, for a child is born to us, a son 
is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. Now, depending on what type of church you, you grew up in, this next part might hit you a certain way. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, <laughs> Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. Turn to your neighbor and say, never end. He will rule with fairness and justice. Did you know justice was in the Bible? Never mind. From the throne of his ancestor, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Isaiah was giving us a preview. He was giving them a preview and thus us an understanding of who our Messiah really and truly is and who he truly can be if we recognize these names and if we claim these names for our lives and for our situations. Names are an amazing thing. Some say that your, your first name is your first prophecy. So my name is uh, Talit, and in the Arabic, Aramaic language, it means to rise. I thought that was cool. It was just, I always got to explain people how to pronounce it. Other than that, it's pretty cool. And I got married to this, this beautiful chocolate lady right here. And we began to procreate because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. We began to be fruitful and multiply. And we began to have children. And then it came time to name our children. I was instructed. <laughs> Once I found out, number one, I was having a son, I was informed that the name is already accounted for. Huh? You got David, and then David, and then David. I, didn't, I wasn't able to do all that. My wife said, I don't know if we need two talents. You know, it's such a lovely name, but I think it should just be yours. You know, she was nice about it. But as a teenager, the Lord revealed to her that she would be having a son one day and that his name would be Emmanuel. So I didn't get to name my firstborn's first name. So I got the consolation prize. I got the silver medal. And I was able to participate in his middle name. And so his name is Emmanuel James. James was my dad's middle name. And I wanted that to, to carry on. Then we had another child, and this time it was a girl, and she has a creative name because she is a creative, and her name is Brinkley. And her middle name is Jean. Jean was my mom's grandmother's middle name and her mom's middle name as well. So they were named after them. And our last, our Grace. Her middle name is Joy because my wife's middle name is Joy. We just spelled it different. So for those of you who are keeping score, everybody got a name but me. I just had to deal with it. But names, they carry weight. They mean something. They have power if we allow it. And when Isaiah prophesied, he gave us four names. There are many names of our Jesus. But he highlighted four that we can name and claim and use 
when applicable. The first name that he gave us was Wonderful Counselor. He wanted us to know that this just isn't a baby that's being born, but that he's a wonderful counselor. That word wonderful in the Hebrew is Pele, P-E-L-E, which means mind-blowingly magnificent. It's not wonderful like, oh, that was a wonderful song. Oh, what a wonderful little child you had. No, 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 no. It's incomprehensible. That's the type of counselor that we have access to. Problem is, we don't access our wonderful counselor because we're too smart. We have too many degrees. We have too many accomplishments to ask Jesus if we should apply for that job. No, 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 no. <laughs> Excuse me, no. I read the King James Version of the Bible I don't have to consider Jesus' counseling and choosing a spouse. No, 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 I, I got this. No, 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 I know. No, no, excuse me. I know that my skill set will create this million-dollar business with no problem. I got this. That's what we say when we don't consult our wonderful counselor. How many decisions have you made this week apart from your wonderful counselor? Maybe you don't realize how wonderful he is. Maybe we need to come back to what the prophet Isaiah has informed us that we do have a wonderful counselor that can give us wisdom that we could never in a million years come up with on our own. He can give us advice that we're not smart enough to comprehend without his help. But that starts with humility in your heart, knowing that you need your wonderful counselor. But not only is he a wonderful counselor, but the prophet Isaiah goes on to call him, name him a mighty God. Say mighty. That word mighty in the Original language is Gabor, and we call him Jehovah Gabor. And it speaks to his might and his strength, but not just any might, not just any strength, but the strength of a warrior. Some of us have been fighting battles without our mighty God. We've been trying to go to war without the warrior king, Jesus. We're going to war over our kids and we're trying to get them on their path. We're going to war in our marriage, trying to strengthen our marriage. We're going to war on our jobs, trying to advance. We're going to war against the devil, what he's trying to do against us. And we're not involving a mighty God. And that's why we keep taking L after L after L. Because we forgot that he's not just a wonderful counselor, that he's a mighty God. He's a warrior king. And there is no power greater than his. If you invite him in, he will fight for you. The word of God says, vengeance is mine. 
The problem is you putting yourself in the first person when he's talking about himself. So you're busy trying to get the vengeance on your own. You forgot. You got a mighty God waiting for you to name the name mighty God. You're battling illness on your own. You're battling day after day, just trying to get by. And the reason it feels like you're barely getting by is because you're fighting alone. When he didn't call you, create you, save you to fight on your own. You have a mighty God. But not only do you have a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, but you have an everlasting father. I know that's a trigger for some. <laughs> some, that word father has an actual negative connotation. Some of us have been hurt, let down, disappointed, abused by fathers. So we all, I'm good on that. Your Lord wants you to know that he's nothing like them. And let me come back for the rest of you that had great fathers. He wants you to know that he's nothing like them either. <laughs> There's none that can compare to your everlasting father. Did you hear that ever and that lasting? There is no expiration on his love. Now, some of you are like, but you don't know what I did. There's also no conditions on his love. He got up on that cross knowing everything there was ever to know about you. He made the decision anyway. Yeah, I'm going to shed my blood for him. Yeah, yeah, the one with the rap sheet. I'm going to shed my blood for her. Yeah, yeah, the one that keeps making the same mistake over and over. Yeah, I'm going to die for them because I'm the everlasting father. That means that he can outlast all of your problems, all of your mistakes and bad decisions. And here's a word they don't say in church that much, and all of your sins. He bled for them to deliver you from them so that you can repent and turn away for good because he's your everlasting father. But not only is he a wonderful counselor, a mighty God and an everlasting father, but he's, he's the prince of peace. The prince of peace. Our world is full of the opposite. Chaos, division, infighting, conflicts everywhere. Some of us don't even got to turn on the news to see it. We can just look at our lives and find the chaos. We can look at our lives and find the division. We can look at our lives and find the hate. And Isaiah wants you to know that you, you have access to the prince, the prince of peace, Sometimes life just hits you out of nowhere and you're robbed of your peace 
and you sit in it or you self-medicate it when what you could do, what you should do is name the name Prince of Peace. I need you, Prince of Peace. I had to do this last night. Yesterday, we had a bunch of family members over and we were hanging out and having fun and we had a great time and everybody went home and then my son's asthma went crazy. All of a sudden, he was having trouble breathing and we just had to go through the protocols that are in place for him and give him the medicine and we had to sit there and wait. I don't know if, if, if any parents have seen their kids in a situation where they can't fix it. I just had to sit there and watch my son trying to get his breath. And I'm praying on the inside, but I'm also falling apart on the inside because I can't just touch him and fix it. I had to call on the Prince of Peace because I was a mess. My wife doing all that she can and she knows all the things to do and she's rubbing his back, calming him down, taking him through the breathing exercises, giving him the medicine and I'm watching and, I, I, and my, my peace is leaving me. And I remembered that I have access. There's a name that I can call and I literally called on the Prince of Peace. I say I want you to know these names because he knows you're going to need them on your journey. But it's up to you and I to name these names and to claim these names. So how do we, how does this become applicable though? It's, it's great to have the head knowledge, the mental understanding, but how do we Walk this out. How do we posture and position ourselves to make this our reality? I think the answer is in the same verse that we just read, Isaiah 9 and 6. I'll read it one more time and we'll see if we can extrapolate the answer. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulder." And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. If you didn't catch it, the prophet put the word government in there twice for emphasis. Why is that important? Well, the truth is, if we're honest, and I don't want you to wave your hand, but just talk to yourself on the inside. We're okay with Jesus, the healer. We love him. When we're sick or afflicted, he shows up and he heals us. We adore Jesus, the provider. When we have a need. If you don't know the Jehovah's, at least you know Jehovah Jireh. You know that one. Thanks to Maverick City and Elevation. We know Jireh. We appreciate every time that he shows up and meets a need. You know the name we have a problem with? Lord. <laughs> That's the one we wrestle with. 
That's what he's speaking of when he says that the government will rest on his shoulder. <laughs> because Jesus isn't just the baby in the manger. He's not even just the wonderful counselor. No. He's not just the mighty God, the everlasting father, or the prince of peace. He's king. The thing about kingdoms is only the king is in charge. That's tough for us Americans because this is a democracy, but the kingdom of God is not. There's no vote. There's only an edict. He has created a kingdom that he's invited you into. And once you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you have to allow him to rule. You don't get the final say anymore. He does. When he's Lord, <laughs> that's the tough one. Because the only thing we love more than Jesus is ourselves. We love us. We're born that way, selfish, all of us. That's why the first thing we did was cry, give me something. And we've been crying ever since for our way. That's not how the kingdom of God works. In order to be positioned and postured to be the recipient of the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and the prince of peace, he first must be Lord, ruler, king of your life. And once you do that, it changes everything. How do you know you're there? How do you know that you're all the way down with the king? He's Lord, he's king, he's ruling. How much do you consult him? How often do you talk to him? What's your frequency of obedience once he says what he said? <laughs> That's the litmus test. I grew up in church my whole life. I hadn't seen it all. Now, I haven't been living for the Lord my whole life. I said the prayer as a kid and you know, went to be baptized. But life, I wasn't living it as a reflection of him being Lord. It wasn't until I was 21, isolated in South Korea, where he got my full attention. And I surrender in total, in full, 10 toes down. Made him Lord of my life. Because you can't do it halfway. I said, did you hear me what I say? I know what I just said. I said it that way on purpose. You can't do it partially. There's another prophet in the Bible named Jeremiah who said it like this. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. He was very descriptive. That means you can't look, you can't seek any old type of way. It has to be wholeheartedly. It has to be with your everything. It has to be 100%. As the old saints used to say, 99 and a half 
won't do. You got to be all in in your pursuit of Jesus the Lord. And when you do that, he said, you will find him. He doesn't want you to be silent about it. He doesn't want you to be quiet about it. He wants you to represent. Apostle Paul gave it to us like this in Romans 10 and 9. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did you see that it takes a open declaration? Like you can't be no closet Christian. <laughs> no, he wants you to make it loud. He wants you to be bold about it. He wants you to let everybody know that you are declaring him king. Which brings us to our point of celebrating this weekend. The birth of Jesus Christ. We call them three wise men that came to see him, but... In the original language, they, they were magi. Magi. It's where we get the word magic. And their specialty was astrology, which is why God sent a star to get their attention because it was a language that they spoke and recognized, and they knew something was different about this star because it's what they were trained to study. And so they began to follow that star because they knew it was leading them to a destination that they needed to get to. <laughs> the problem is there was a king in that land that the star was taking them to. His name was Herod. And he liked himself very much. So he wasn't too thrilled to hear about this Messiah that was about to be born. That threatened his authority. And so, so, so he, he, he talked with these, these magi say, so I hear you, you're going to go see the, the Messiah. Do me a favor. Once you find him, come back and tell me where he's located. Then I can go and worship him too, Okay. So the Bible says in, in Matthew 2 and 9, after this interview that they just had with Herod, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. That star guided them into the presence of the Messiah. And I really believe that God sends all of us a star-like moment where our world was dark, where we were far from him like these magi were. And he presents these star-like moments to pre present the Messiah to us. Sometimes we, we have those moments in life causes a bit of a drift. Come on, we all coming out of 
the same pandemic. And the truth is, for some, it's been a drift. We don't pray like we used to. We don't show up to church like we used to. Fast? <laughs> What's that? There's been a drift. It's been distance created. There's a gap between the closeness that we once felt to Jesus and now, and, and God still, he wants to present that star-like moment for you too to come into the presence of the Messiah. He will always present that star-like moment to get your attention. But here's the thing. As the Magi went about their journey and they had to, or were supposed to, come back to report to Herod, God had given them a dream telling them, don't go back there. And they didn't. And once Herod found out that this was the case, the Bible says that he was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why is that important? Because just like there will always be a star-like moment that God sends to get your attention, there's always a Herod that the devil will send to take you away, distract you from the presence of God. And you need to be aware of both. And as we continue on in this journey of our Savior being born, in Matthew 2, 11, it says that they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave their best to the Messiah. I said they gave their best to the Messiah. Are you, are you giving your best? I'm not saying you're not giving anything. You're probably giving something. The question at hand is, are you giving him your best? Well, you can answer that. But the example here is the submission of the best that they had to offer. It's a model and a blueprint for us to give our best, whether that's financially, whether that's through serving, whether that's just being a good neighbor, a friendly coworker. Are you giving the kingdom of God the best gift that you have? Yes or no? I would encourage you to give your best because there will always be a moment where God will present the opportunity for you to bow down like these magi and make him king. But that's only when you're ready to give him your best. Now, I don't know what your best is because each one of them had a different best. One of them was frankincense. One of them was gold. One of them was myrrh. But they all had a best. They all gave it. What's yours? Have you given it? Have you bowed down, presented your best gift 
and made him your king. Because here's the problem. When we don't do that, we turn into a bit of a hypocrite. Because we start placing demands on God, expecting him to show up powerfully, expecting him to show up at his best when we haven't shown up at our best. Makes us a bit of a hypocrite. The truth of the matter is, I can't get the best from God until I give God my best. It's a requirement that the Magi are demonstrating to us. Some of us are bringing average gifts. Some of us are not bringing gifts at all. And both are a problem to your king. Remember? He's our king. And you cannot bring a king any old thing. You have to bring the king the best that you have. As we conclude our story with these three magi, the next verse in Matthew 2 and 12, it says, When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. Say another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to heaven, to Herod. The Magi went another route. I like to say it like this. They didn't go back the same way they came. No, 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 I know proper exegesis is not that they changed, that they actually took another role. I got it. Yes, true. And, and, and I'm under the belief that it's impossible to come into the presence of the Messiah and leave out the same way. So I think they took another road, but I think that on that other road they took, that they went back differently as people than the way that they came. I think, I think the Lord is going to send some of you out of this room differently than how you came in this room. I believe that. I've been praying into that. Most importantly, it's what the Lord has for you today. Last thing I want to leave you with is a preview. We pray into the direction that the Lord wants to take our church, and we've been praying, and the leaders of the house have been praying for the last month as we inform them that the direction that the Lord has given us for 2024 is that 2024 will be the year of the open door. The year of the open door. Here's the thing. We'll go into much more detail what that means for us as a church at our New Year's Eve night service. We'll unpack it and give you what we've received through prayer. But it's a preview for you to find out what does that mean for you individually. Here's a hint. Whenever there's an open door, there's room for entry. There's also room for exits. So you, on your own, need to take this to prayer. What does this mean 
about the direction of my life as an individual. And let the Lord speak to you. I present a star-like moment as a result. As he communicates individual direction for your life. And, you know, one of the things we like to say around here is give us a year of your life. Be, be, be all the way in. Like, like 2024, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to show up here, there. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to come on Sundays. I'm going to come to small groups. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going to come to whatever they have because I, I'm going to give this a chance for real this time. I'm going to be all the way in for my wonderful counselor, my mighty God, my everlasting father, the Prince of Peace. I want to experience all of what he has for me. So I'm going to, I'm going to go all in this year. Make that a personal prayer of yours. Because you can't receive God's best until you're willing to give your best. Thank you for being part of today's episode. To stay connected, please visit us at PurposeCityChurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your loved ones. Your support means the world to us. As you go about your day, remember to make a meaningful difference in the world. Thanks for listening.